Hello. Welcome to episode number 69 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, and here with my, I keep, you know, I lie in bed at night trying to think of superlatives to describe my very friendly and wonderful co-host, Vala Afshar! Yay! <laughs> Vala. And, and we have just done a fist bump that nobody can see because it's between us, even though, you know, even though we're in the same room, we have separate cameras. So, Vala. We have, I am super excited uh, to have an opportunity to speak to one of the most extraordinary CIOs that um, I had the good fortune of meeting through social media, and now I have an opportunity to speak to live and learn from. So, welcome, uh, Sonny Shimi. Thank you so much, Vala. Hey, How are you? Thank you, Michael. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm going to try not to look at your avatar here. I'm going to look at the camera instead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, Sonny is the CIO of the General Services Administration, which is an enormous. You're, you're in addition to everything else, you're the largest landlord in the world, right? <laughs> we are. A, we are a lot of. We're an interesting agency. We are, um, and, and it's a, it, we have a very proud mission. We are the largest landlord in the world. We manage about 10,000 facilities, about a third of a billion square feet of office space across the nation and overseas. We manage about 210,000 fleet cars, which makes us larger than Hertz and Budget and any of the other large fleet providers uh, combined in some cases. We manage uh, billions of dollars of acquisitions that the federal government uh, you know, relies on every day to service uh, its citizens. Uh, we're a very interesting agency, and uh, in addition to all of that, we have a we have a very important and um, important mission to influence federal-wide, government-wide policies and information technology. So um, it's been interesting. I've been here for about three years now, and it's never a dull, dull moment where we're not um, able to um, um, exert our influence or you know or, or have a, have an impact uh, in the larger federal community in some way. So it's, it's a very proud to be part of this organization. That's fantastic. Well, Sonny, I want our audience to know that uh, you know you received the 2014 Federal 100 Award for Digital Government Innovation for your work as a cloud expander, and we'll learn more about that throughout the show. You were also named in 2013 as uh, one of the top uh, most social federal CIOs um, in the country. So can you talk a little bit uh, about your role as the CIO at, at the GSA? Uh, yes, thank you, and and I, and I should clarify the, the the top social CIO award was far far more uh, important to me than the Federal 100 in some ways because the company was just amazing. Uh, and thank you, Vala, for 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 your your kindness on that. But uh, you know, my my role at GSA is is interesting. I I, I feel like I'm um, I'm part of a community in GSA which extends beyond our agency, where we uh, really think about and envision what the future of federal IT looks like. Um, GSA, like I said, has, uh, has, has many different roles to play in the, in, in the federal government, uh, whether it's policy, whether it's in, in, you know, through our uh, Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technology, uh, really championing use of modern technology, cloud, social, mobile, uh, and to improve the government-wide uh, information technology posture or whether it's implementing and managing our own information technology infrastructure. 
uh, we we play uh, play a role in a wide gamut of things. Uh, I'm very I'm very fortunate that I get to work with uh, so many brilliant, smart, um, exceptional CIOs across the federal government on a day-to-day -day basis, and and we are um, you know we are thrilled to to work closely with them to make them successful in their missions. Uh, at GSA, we um, have a uh, like any medium a large size federal organization. We have about 17,000 end users. We are located in about over 200 uh, different locations across the federal government, uh, across the country and overseas. Uh, we um, have uh, folks, again, like, uh, like I said earlier, who manage federal buildings, who manage the fleet, who help our agency partners buy better, buy smarter, who help our industry partners sell better, sell cheaper, sell faster. Um, and in that mission, uh, we have uh, a full gamut of IT. Uh, IT serves as a, as a critical business partner uh, to further that mission. Uh, so my organization manages uh, about $500 million a year of IT investments, which run the, run the gamut of the basic infrastructure, enablement, making sure the users have access to the data, the tools, the technologies they need to be able to work effectively anywhere they are with any tools, any device, anywhere, anytime. But at the same time, we manage lots of business systems, lots of uh, applications that are all, um, you know, constantly being looked at and, and, and improved to provide a better experience not only to our end users, but also our customers. So, um, you know, like any agencies, we have our set of challenges. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we work a lot very closely with many of my partners across the federal government to make sure that we, whatever we do, is uh, done in a way that they can leverage, they can learn from, they can use, uh, or, or they can uh, get some value out of. So everything that we do also has a lens towards how can this be done in a way that the next agency can, can get some value out of it. They don't have to reinvent this wheel. So um, it's, been, it's been an interesting challenge from that perspective as well because I think if you look at the last five years, six years, the federal IT community has come a long way. Um, adoption of cloud, mobile, um, really adoption of um, private sector modern technologies and processes like agile development, DevOps, are now commonplace or becoming commonplace in the federal government. Um, it's an opportunity for us, and it has been an opportunity for us to do it once and well, rather than every agency having to tread that path individually. And this is where GSA comes in. So very proud of the work we've done. Uh, our work is never ending, uh, but happy to share some of those stories with you today. So, you know, I've, I've, we met about three years ago, and I know that you're a, a very strong supporter of cloud, and you, you mentioned modern technologies like cloud and DevOps and so forth. So you were, up until relatively recently, the deputy CIO at the GSAs, and your predecessor, Casey Coleman, of course, was a guest on CXO Talk in the past. So now, as CIO, can you articulate uh, your agenda? What are you trying to drive, and how are you going to shape IT and uh, shape the relevant parts of the GSA under your, your guidance? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I think it's not just my agenda, but I think we have a fantastic team uh, that's in place at GSA, and we work together incredibly hard to, to go to the next level. Uh, for the last few years, our kind of overarching battle cry, our theme, our, our, our sort of theme song was uh, Casey's vision, which was an extremely compelling, solid, um, you know, uh, far-reaching vision. And we kind of summed it up in three words, any device, anywhere, anytime, or we call it the A3 strategy. 
And basically, it sounds very simplistic, but it was very far-reaching strategy to make sure that we have an IT infrastructure that allows GSA employees and partners to be able to connect with us, connect with each other, and be productive no matter where they are in the world, that allows them to be fully mobile, that allows them to be, um, you know, to telework, but also be next to our customers, and be productive beyond just being able to connect into the network so that we have social networks within GSA where people and communities of interest can come together that goes beyond just the basic e exchanging emails and files with each other. To really be productive anywhere, you have to connect with each other in new ways, and that's what we've been focused on for the last few years. Uh, we made a tremendous progress on that front. GSA is the highest adopting of, adopter of telework in the federal government at this point. 80-plus percent of GSA employees telework on a regular basis. Uh, we have fully virtual employees. We have technologies that enable people to do that. And through adoption of cloud, we have saved a tremendous amount of money and, and resources in getting there. Our next uh, chapter of our journey is focused on our customers. We want to be a customer organization. We want to we want to put our customers, whether it's agency partners, or whether it's our, our vendor community that we work with, or it's our citizens. Uh, we want to put them at the center of our universe, and that requires a next big picture thinking. Our next iteration of the A3 strategy is what we're calling the I3 strategy, and I3 stands for our systems, our products, our processes will be integrated, intuitive, and innovative. Those are the I, the three I's that we focus on. What that translates to is that any any investments that we make, any investment that we make, any project we undertake, any product that we build, a tool, a website, of, of an application, or largely a business process, needs to focus, needs to start from the customer experience first, and needs to be designed from the ground up to be integrated with other processes through data, through APIs, through openness, intuitive to use, and innovative, leveraging brand new, modern, flexible technologies. That will be kind of our blueprint as we move forward. Um, and our next focus for the next, I would say, five years is going to be very heavily focused towards modernizing legacy business systems, automating processes that are not yet auto automated, getting rid of paper, and really going to an environment where one of our, where our customers can come in, work with GSA in an intuitive way. way. We, can, we, we have a life cycle understanding of who they are, where they are, what they want to do, and we can really provide them with an excellent customer experience. So that's kind of our next next iteration of our strategy. Um, we have a lot of work to do to get there, uh, but I think now that we've largely, um, you know, not solved, but 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 have uh, gotten over the, the the challenge of the traditional infrastructure, um, you know, where we're a modern agency. I'm sitting in the beautiful 1800 F Street headquarters location, uh, where we're fully shared space, fully open space. And a lot of the technologies and investments we've made over the last five years have enabled us to get here. I think our next generation, the next chapter in our story is to really focus on the customer experience in. Sure. You were, Sunny, recently also recognized for Public Services uh, uh, to America medal for your drive to the cloud, where the initiative was to develop, again, an environment that, that enhances employee productivity. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your you know, cloud adoption initiatives. I, I, and, and in addition to that, I, I read about um, social network with 10,000 internal and external users with 1,000 active communities and how the combination of the cloud and your vibrant social network collaboration framework will save millions of dollars uh, for the GSA and bring tremendous level of uh, efficiency to, to the business. If you could talk a little bit about that, that would be great. 
Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, so first of all, it was a great honor to be nominated for the Service to America medals. It's, it was, it was humbling because uh, you know when I see other federal employees who were nominated in the same category as I, I mean they're literally curing cancer and sending satellites to space, and and here I am with some IT work. So it was extremely humbling, and I, and I don't and I don't uh, mean that in any uh, uh, diminishing way at all. Uh, it's a great honor. Um, you know, so when I look at cloud, I, I think cloud is kind of a dirty word now, right? Cloud is looked at as, as a standalone thing that we have to go and solve for over there, and it's not that. I think cloud is a, a piece of a much bigger puzzle, right? So when you go up a level uh, around cloud, um, they, you, you see that the landscape, the industry, the, the way smart companies are building infrastructure solutions, applications, and, and mechanisms to, to deliver value, to understand their customer, and to create a, a, an environment where people can work together. It, it, it's, it's, it's a combination of cloud, it's a combination of mobile technology, social technology, and data, data, big data, and analytics that come together into an environment where people can connect with each other, they can have access to the information they need when they need it, and they can have access to data when they need the data that they need when they need it, and they can actually execute the business in an automated way, right? So when you look at modern organizations, um, you know my my vision is that again, going back to the I three strategy, a GSA employee should be able to have access to the people that they need to connect with, the processes that they need to execute, the data they need, and the documents, and and the tools that they need to execute their business from their mobile device, from their cell phone. If you can get there, then you can do a lot, right? Because you can solve for X once you have that basic framework figured out. And I think the technology world is there now, right? So we have great platforms, great tools, great technologies, great industry partners who are doing this every day in the private sector. Yet, for some reason, we, we haven't been able to solve or bring that innovation into the government. So that's what we've been focused on. So what we did was we asked ourselves, you know, what is a business application? And ultimately, a business application is nothing but the ability of an employee to take the correct action at the correct time using the correct data and co in collaboration with the correct people, right? That's ultimately a business application. If you can bring together the people you need to talk to, the community of interest, if you will, the data and documents you need when you need it, and the business processes that you need to execute around the same topic at the same, the right time and the right device, you can do great things. So what we did was we said maybe maybe a business application shouldn't look like a form that was automated. It used to be a paper form now it's in the computer. It should actually start with social first, right? Because ultimately, if people can talk to each other, that's where the magic happens. And most of the time, the actual magic is happening in the hallway, outside of the you know outside of the office. When people are saying, "Hey, why did you want to approve that thing? I saw your request. Can I approve it? What is the context of it?" And they have a conversation, and they go back to their offices and desks and say, okay, now that I've had this conversation, I can click the right button. Let's bring that all together, because especially if the people are not going to be in the same building at the same time, mobility, telework, uh, then it's going to be harder and harder to do that side. So let's start with social first. Let's, let's connect people. So what we did was we implemented our social networks, a private social network within GSA. We have about 17,000 people who are uh, participating in it. We have about 10 to 12,000 who log in every day. It's extremely vibrant. We have over a thousand uh, communities of interest around all sorts of interesting topics, and amazing things have already happened. So that's just a social play, right? But then we said, okay, this is great. Now we have a vibrant community of people who are talking to each other, 
who may not know each other, but they're talking about common interest and topics of common interest. Let's overlay documents. Let's overlay data. So then not only are they talking with each other, they're talking in the context of documents around data and around sharing knowledge. And then, oh, let's overlay business processes. So if we can do that so that we can do it quickly and cheaply, then powerless, powerful things uh, start to happening, happening. So for example, one of the challenges that we had before we consolidated our IT operation in GSA, which was about a year ago, uh, we 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 were we were struggling with really understanding um, you know how our projects are performing. We manage hundreds of projects in IT alone every year across the country, and there's really no one sort of belly button to say, okay, what is our overall portfolio look like? Where are the risks? Who's working on what? What's coming? So when the administrator would ask me, or or at that point my boss, okay, so where are the risks? Which products are about to hit when? We couldn't really do answer those questions without doing data calls and calling people, and so we used this platform to literally in three days uh, develop a um, project management app. And it started out as very something minimally viable product, small product, and grew from there. Very agile, very uh, responsive to what people actually needed. And basically, the whole concept was this: let's connect people first, let's give them some some forms and data that they can access and for business process uh, to fill out. So it shouldn't be about fill out this form about a project should be about here's a community of interest around this project. Everybody who's interested in this, come connect here. And oh, by the way, the project manager is going to have access to some tools, some processes to, to, to provide a richer data. We're going to connect it with our financial system. We're going to connect it with our other products so that we have a full picture of what the project is. And about a year later, we are at a point now where I can go and click one button and know where my, across my entire project portfolio which is over 300 or so projects, exactly what my schedule variance is, exactly what my cost variance is. But far more importantly, I can talk to somebody. I can say, hey, you know, uh, my boss asked me a question about this data center consolidation thing this morning. What do you think about this idea? Or have you thought about this? Or isn't this similar to what the other guy is doing over there? And that's where the magic happens. Conversations start. People connect with each other, realize that they have the same thing. They're trying to do the same thing. So that's our kind of vision for the future. Apps should be social. Apps should be mobile. The application should come after. The people, data, and processes should come first. And that's, that's a great news story. That's a great, great magical thing once you figure that out. So um, our community is really vibrant. We have built over 100 different apps in this community, everything wow. from project management to financial management to approval of different uh, tracks to acquisitions and so forth. And uh, we're building new apps every day. It's a fully agile development environment. We build and release code every four weeks. And um, it's, a, it's a really cool thing to see. And now I can actually manage all of my projects from my cell phone, which is amazing. really we helpful. A, we have a really interesting comment from uh, Twitter. Kristen Russell, who uh, was the former CIO for the state of Colorado and a previous guest here on CXO Talk, now she works for Deloitte, makes the comment uh, in response, Sonny, to what you were saying. She says that the government, this is a quote, she says, the government can strike the mother load on the power of data and connecting people for useful purposes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't agree with her more. I think what's happened, unfortunately, is that for the longest time, the technology has gotten in the way, right? So we have gotten in our own way by building technology in different silos systems that don't talk to other systems, data that resides in different databases, and people that can't talk to each other and connect and the context is lost. 
And so what happens is these fan bases grow around these systems, and basically only certain people have access to the right data, and then it kind of reinforces this model of us versus them, you don't have access to my thing, you don't know what you're talking about. By opening all of that up and inverting that model where you connect people first and then connect the processes around them, you amazing things start to happen. And I'll give you another example. We built a quick app. It took us about four days to build uh, in the cloud uh, to manage to track all IT spending. We, we, had a, we were having a difficult time really understanding what we were spending on. It's, and we know what we spend, how much we spend, but we don't know how many you know, different types of products were bought, how many licenses of a certain thing. And we are a large organization, so it's kind of hard to do that. So we built this app. We mandated that every IT spending has to go through this app just for tracking purposes. And then we, was, we were thinking it was about just a tracking mechanism, a form that gets filled out and we get reports out of it. And very quickly, because we built social first, a lot of the magic started happening in the social feed around each one of these, right? So it wasn't about the $59 or the $59,000 you're going to spend on a product. Right. It's about the conversation around why the heck are you buying this? We already have two of these. Did you know that this product is about to get obsolete? And have you looked at this other thing yet? And all of a sudden, literally within 30 days of releasing this app, people voluntarily, these different distributed teams, voluntarily said, you know what, we don't need to buy this $5 million worth of things. $5 million worth of things. Wow. That they were going to buy anyway because they didn't know the next guy had it or they had the skill that they need needed or they had a contract that they could access and so forth. $5 million just, and this wasn't a top-down mandate, no, you're not, right, you shouldn't right. buy this. It was based on, wow, I didn't realize that you're, you know, you're going to go from this to that. I didn't realize that this new product was coming online. Gee, now that I know it, it's going to solve my problem. Maybe I don't need to spend this money. That's and that, that mechanism, this last year, GSA has, has cut $100 million of IT spend, $100 million of IT spend, which is 20% of our budget, just in this last year alone just through some thoughtful, allowing the tools to connect people. And that's just one example. So it really excites me when I think about how we can use that mechanism to connect communities of interest around citizens, around other agencies. There's so much more we can do. That's pretty amazing that by connecting people, you're connecting the dots, and you have $100 million of cost avoidance yeah. because of the fact that people are collaborating. I wanted to ask you, that's amazing, that's fantastic, congratulations to you, and anybody who questions the power of collaboration should um, watch this show and uh, <laughs> rewind and rewatch the last uh, one minute of your commentary, that's incredibly powerful. We have a question from, um, I, I assume, a, a CIO thought leader that you know well, uh, Dr. Elisa Johnson, Deputy CIO of the White House, and Dr. J uh, asks, uh, uh, regarding, uh, you know, how does the GSA prepare to embrace disruptive technology? That's a fantastic question. And then Dr. Jayavi gave me a shout-out in, in her CXO talk, so I'm going to give her a shout-out as one of the most visionary mobile social CIO in the federal government. So right back at you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I, that's a great question, though. I think, I think one of the things we realized early is about three, three or so years ago we had a big aha moment. And that was that, look, where the world is going, if you look at how modern smart organizations are deploying product today, right? If you think about how Airbnb deploys product, or Zappos, or Uber, or Google, Facebook, they don't hold big classes where people you get everybody into a big room and say, okay, now we're going to do training on Google version 42.9. They 
integrate small changes throughout their product's lifecycle so that the end user, and, and they make them intuitive. That's, the, that's one of the eyes, the three eyes that we have, right? Make them intuitive so that the end user doesn't have to go through massive change every time. And we realized that when we first started going to the cloud and moved our email to the cloud, we moved uh, the social network and so forth, we realized that we're going to be pushing changes out all the time. Whether we roll them out or our cloud service providers roll them out, the bottom line is that our end users have to, they have to be taught not, they, have to, they can't be given the fish anymore. They have to be taught how to fish. They have to be taught how to learn constantly rather than giving them big classroom trainings every time there's a change because it's just not going to happen. That old model of training was designed around the ERP days, right? The ERP changes once every five years. Every five years, you get everybody into a big conference room and say, okay, guys, this new version is going to change these 18,000 things. Let's get started. Now we can't afford that. Now we have to change constantly. So over the last three years, I think we've done a lot to prepare the GSA workforce to learn themselves, but then giving them self-service tools that, that help them along the way. So we don't do really any classroom training anymore in GSA. Uh, we do once in a while when we have a big product getting launched. But we kind of we release every every week, we release three different things. That's my role. Three things every every week. And those three things could be, hey, did you know a new version of Citrix is about to hit? Did you know that Google Hangouts is coming? Did you know that uh, you know this new system login mechanism is going to change? Here's a one-minute video that can tell you how you log in. So we constantly introduce change in small bite-size increments. And that, that works out pretty well. And then you, you make it very searchable. You make it online. Anybody who has a question around, I don't know how to set up my mobile device to do this thing now, or uh, they go online, they search for it, and there's a video or a handy tip tool or whatever that, that usually gets them on their way. And then if that doesn't work, then again, we go back to our social network, right? So we have a community of interest, which we call Ask IT. Ask IT is basically a clearinghouse. If anybody who has any IT questions, go and ask there. And you, just, you can ask any random question. Have you thought about you know, this product? Or I saw a demo of this thing. Or I couldn't log in today. What the heck is going on? And what happens is we have IT people looking at that constantly. We have other users who are engaged. You know, we call them you know, the Jedi group. They, they jump in. They, they kind of help each other out. They say, by the way, maybe you missed this. This new thing came together. Here's a document that should help you. That's the new model. That's the new model. You go and you seek the help that you need when you need it, and there's a community around you to help you. And then we also have a walk-in center. So instead of the traditional, let me get by your, come by your desk side and help you, uh, local support model, we have a, um, a, a genius bar type mechanism. Uh, and, you know, not using that name. I know it's proprietary to Apple, but uh, but but a walk-in center where people just walk in and ask a question, and there's people there to answer them, and they can walk them through a demo or help them out. So those are the kind of things that have helped us get our get our GSA uh, population ready for the change. And now the best thing is that once they're ready, then then you can crack that, that. Then you can sort of you know copy and paste that model over and over again as you deploy new technologies, sure. new solutions. You don't have to reinvent the training wheel every single time. Sure. So, so you're basically oh I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So you're, you're basically driving engagement and adoption with constant, intuitive, and incremental change. Exactly, and that's, that's the right that's model. That's strategy. That's and exactly I, the right model. I also read that, that the, the, the 10,000 active users you have across your, your collaboration network is saving the GSA a couple of million dollars. So it seems like not only you're focusing on the three eyes of innovation, intuitiveness, integration, but you also have this power of the community. Exactly right. 
each other and so the, the genius of the crowd. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. So I'll give you two quick examples of that. So on our project tab that I mentioned, it's open to all of GSA, right? There was a lot of controversy about it, right? Project managers didn't want their projects to be available to everybody. There's always something that goes wrong in a project. You don't want to be, you know, kind of being called out on the carpet in front of the crowd. But it was extremely powerful. We made a conscious decision to open every project to everybody in GSA. Because, look, ultimately the project is not successful if it's not serving somebody's need, right? So there's a community out there that is passionate about this project going right. Let's open it up to them. And then that community started providing input, saying, look, before you do this, have you, do you realize that we have that other thing going on in the same month that you're going to release this code? Do you realize that this requirement that was sent to you two months ago is no longer needed? Have you thought about integrating with that other thing before you do this? It made project managers so much richer. It says wisdom was a crowd solution. But then we took that model and we actually did uh, what we call uh, an ideation campaign. We call it the Great Ideas Hunt. And we've done three of these now. Uh, the first one was uh, we pick a topic and we do a Great Ideas Hunt. And the first one was to open for 30 days. Okay, 30 days we said, tell us your idea about how to save money. And you have 30 days to do it. And we had 600 people submit ideas and we had 20,000 votes uh, on those ideas, comments and votes. That exercise led to identification of 40 ideas, uh, down-selected to 40, that saved over $5 million, right? That was the first focus. We've perfected that model so much, I mean, perfected in the sense that I think as an organization, we've grown so much since then and matured so much that recently our administrator did a, another ideas hunt where everybody was given one hour. We had a, we had a town hall where the administrator said, okay, guys, we're gonna, we need your ideas around this topic, how to, do, how to, be, be, how to be more mobile how to be better connected as we are becoming a mobile workforce. Go. And within one hour, we had over 400 ideas and, again, about 18,000 votes and comments on those ideas. An incredible story because people not only trust the system, they know that something's going to happen with those ideas. We're working actively right now to take those ideas to identify projects we can undertake next year, how we can update our infrastructure to be more uh, mobile-friendly and so forth. So that's, that's an example of how the community comes together, saves money, helps us improve our products, and, 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 and reinforces uh, priorities for all of us. You know, we, we love to hear from our customers, our end users, and we love to hear, I love to hear their stories on what's working well and what's not working well, so we can, we can be better, better respondents uh, to them. We have, we have a few questions from Twitter. So we're, Lots we're, of questions. From yeah, Twitter. so, so <laughs> we're, we're, getting, we're getting backed up. Uh, so let me, let, me toss, let me toss a couple of these out, and I'll ask you to keep your answers right now relatively short so we can get a bunch of these in. Uh, Zachary Jeans asks, are your internal social networks facilitated by paid community managers or is it all user managed? It's all user managed. There's not a single paid community manager. We actually started out with the thought that we probably need community managers whose job it is to do community management. Um, it turns out that that actually is not, at least in our case, it was probably not the right approach. Um, Use passionate users managing communities that they really care about is a far more powerful mechanism than sure. paid community managers um, who are ultimately there because they're there for a paycheck. Sure. So uh, to us, it's been much more powerful to have self-governed, self-managed communities. Um, another question is from Lauren Brussel, who's one of my favorite, and I think Michael's favorite, staff writer for CIO Magazine, CIO.com. Uh, and Lauren has multiple questions, but one of them is, uh, which C-suite exec are you working closest with 
to execute digital initiatives? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think in the modern world, every C-suite exec owns digital initiatives, right? So it's not just a, the job of a chief digital officer, although having focus uh, around this, this, this topic is, is important. Uh, we're very actually happy that uh, very recently, literally a few weeks ago, uh, GSA just added a brand new position called uh, uh, the chief customer officer. Uh, it's a, uh, we have a brilliant, brilliant um, first chief customer officer who just started. Um, she reports directly to the administrator. She's extremely smart. Uh, and I'm working very closely with her on our overall digital and customer strategy, uh, which covers everything from social listening to CRM to knowledge base call centers and the web strategy that, that goes in front of it. Fantastic person and really powerful position. But, um, but beyond that, I work with every CXO and every business line uh, director to really talk about their digital strategy. Uh, as you know, we, are, um, we also have a very powerful, very, an office full of smart people uh, called the Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies. We work very closely together. Uh, they look at these problems from a government-wide impact perspective, and we look at uh, their expertise to bring back to GSA. Fantastic. And uh, Lauren has another question, if you don't mind. And, and, uh, and the question is, how are you using data and uh, analytics uh, to improve uh, IT delivery? That's a fantastic question. Um, we're not doing as much there as I think can be done, right? At the same time, I don't think anybody is. Um, and, and this is a common challenge of our generation, if you will. Uh, is whoever wins the data battle wins the game. It's, it's, it's that simple. We're doing a lot with data in GSA, and I think uh, I'm never going to be satisfied at, at, uh, with where we are. Uh, so, for example, what we're doing now is um, we are relying on data very heavily for uh, management decision-making in GSA. So the, cro the traditional cross-CXO questions around budgets, personnel, priorities, performance, uh, are all data-driven at this point, right? So we, we meet with the administrator on a weekly basis. We go through data. We go through metrics. Uh, we discuss where we are, where we need to be. And that's all driven by tremendous work behind the scenes to, to elevate and, and, and expose the right data from the right legacy systems. On the customer side, on the public-facing side, on the mission side, we're doing a tremendous amount of work with data. Everything from geospatial to big data uh, and APIs and integration strategies are playing big roles. Um, a lot of, if you're interested, take a look at the strategy that we're building for the modernization of the IAE SAM uh, system and organization. There's some tremendous work going on. That's going to be kind of our blueprint for how we build systems moving forward. There's a great link. I'll share the link on Twitter if you're interested. For a lot of thought leadership that's already gone in there, it's API first. It's exposing the right data at the right time. And then uh, lastly, uh, when it comes to data, we are doing a lot, of anal a lot in the area of analytics. Analytics is not the same as data, right? We've had data for a long time, but if the only thing the data is going to generate is a report that sits in somebody's shelf, it's useless. Analytics is a brand new skill set that many organizations don't have, and uh, we're building that skill set very quickly. So analytics is really all about massaging, using the data to get some really great insights out of it. And uh, we, I cannot, I cannot find people fast enough who are really good at that skill. So if you're if you're somebody who's good at that skill, who really want to make a difference, and you wanna you wanna come 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 work with us, let's let's have a dialogue. So as we kind of drive towards the close here. I want to ask your advice on behalf of CIOs everywhere who face a particular challenge. Okay? So I think it's very common that an innovative CIO such as yourself 
will have really good ideas and want to buy technology that will drive certain types of changes across the organization, including process change and potentially uh, hiring changes and cultural changes, right? Because when you start making these disruptive transformations, these are the impacts. However, in many cases, especially for large organizations, the organization is not equipped to absorb the change that right. is implied by these disruptive efforts. And how, how do you convince an organization, number one, that it should undertake this type of, type of initiative? And then, having gotten them on board, how do you actually implement it when people working in the trenches made, you know, they come from a different time, their skill sets uh, are just not, they don't have the capability to absorb this change. So what do you do if you're a CIO? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think there's any sort of silver bullet answer to that, except there's a few things that I, I believe are important. First of all, I'm not a believer in this sort of notion that a lot of people sort of casually talk about, which is, well, you know, these skill sets are new. Uh, those old skill sets are not lo no longer needed, so we have a problem. In fact, I think we have an opportunity. Uh, the good news is that the new skill sets are much more readily learnable than the old skill sets were, right? So imagine teaching a Java developer, uh, imagine te teaching a LAMP developer how to do kicks coding in the mainframe. That's a much harder problem than teaching somebody who's built Java applications how to do LAMP stack coding or how to do social development or that, that kind of thing. So I think the, the newer skill sets, uh, especially the higher level languages and the platforms that we have access to now, even I can code, right, which is, which is saying a lot. Um, so so we, can, we, can, we can, if we can have this right vision in front of us, uh, we have the human talent and, uh, you know, we can, we, can, we can do some cool things together and we can learn together. The second thing is I think organizations change all the time whether they agree, whether they realize it or not. They do, uh, but they just do it in, a, in, a, in an unstructured way, right? So they do based on new policies come together and new people have new ideas and leadership changes and elections happen. Things change in the organizations all the time. We just don't recognize it and, and, and because we don't manage it properly, we, it kind of happens in a very brittle way so that it breaks easily and people don't come along and so forth. So, so some skill there is important. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big bang theory type of guy, in the sense that not, I believe in the Big Bang Theory, I just, I, I don't, I'm not a change everything together type of a person, right? So uh, I think, you know, I have a great, uh, I, have, I love this quote from uh, Calvin and Hobbes, that day by day nothing changes, but pretty soon everything's different. I love that quote because that's exactly how life works. That's how IT change management should be treated too. We should think about making incremental improvements as long as we know that we're walking in the right direction. Every step may not seem like, like too much, but let's just keep taking one step at a time, right? But if you can take the big problem and chunk it out so that each chunk is manageable, right? One step that's removed, one process step that is optimized, one thing that was not easy, but now it's easier. And then pretty soon, you're walking in a direction where things get easier and easier, where you go over the tipping point, tipping point of change, where you say, Look, I think at this point it's fair to say that that old process is no longer applicable, or we have shown or we have seen how it's getting in the way. So let's do something big. And so, building 
building up to that is important. You can't go into the conversation and say, look, I have this fantastic idea. If you only changed everything, things would be so much better. So basically, yeah. so you're saying st innovate and do it step by step, and as mm -hmm. you described with what Google does, small steps continuously over time eventually yield a large change. Show and measure value along the way. That's the biggest thing, because you can't just say, look, we change, change for change's sake and keep changing it, and ultimately things will be better. At every step of the way, you need to know what the outcome will be, and, and, and then measure that, uh, measure the outcome, and then show the value. Look, we did this. We, did, we implemented this little app. We streamlined this process. We allowed for this new tool. And people are 30% happier or more, more, more effective or processes are taking a, longer, a shorter time. You have to measure and show results along the way to build the trust that you need to then you know, use that political capital to do the big thing. So you build up the political capital through a lot of small wins, and then you spend it once in a while on something big. That's kind of my, my strategy. And I think that works fairly well. And obviously all of that is based on constant coalition building with your with your peers, with your business line leaders. Sure. We had uh, Robert Scoble on the show last week. And when you have a chance to talk to Robert, you, very quickly you find yourself talking about technology and innovation that perhaps could be five, six, ten years in the future. Uh, I wanted to uh, learn more about what are some of the technologies you hear about or you see uh, and I suspect you see because certainly with your budget and your influence, I'm sure there are startups and established companies that are showing innovation to you, uh, advanced innovation to you all the time. Uh, you know, whether it's wearables or Internet of Things, are they are they things that are on your radar that you may not find practical use today, but you know it's going to be something that's big down the future? Yeah, I think there's two or three things. I think. Uh, and, and, and I think it's not always a technologies question. I think it's a paradigm question. Some of the paradigms are changing, which are even more exciting than technologies, right? The paradigms that are changing is democratization of everything. People don't really, I don't know if there's a word for it. I'm sure there's a word for it, you know, web 4.0, something. But the major industries are getting disruptive through a democratization of everything, right? So if you look at the model of Uber versus the taxi cab industry, Right. If you look at the model of Airbnb versus the hotel industry, these are not examples of just technology. It's a, it's a matter of end users who have a product and end users who need a product or a service connecting with each other, using technology, and do, doing cool things. That's going to be the more and more, uh, that's going to be the model we'll see more and more. So, so in the industry, I think we'll see a lot of disruption of producers and consumers of products and services directly connecting with each other and doing cool things. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think um, this this boundary of enterprise and personal is going to diminish over you know more and more as we go forward. So you will see manif it manifesting through devices, bring your own device programs, uh, you know telework, hoteling type things. But I think it goes well beyond that. I think if we go ten years down, I really think a world where work happens in communities, which include government people, private sector people, vendor people, partner people, all coming together around a common topic and getting problems solved is a much more viable model than your government and your industry and we'll, we'll stay away from each other. How exactly we get there, I don't know. And technology is going to be a huge kind of enabler in that environment. As far as the pure text is concerned, you know, there's promise in variables. There's a lot of promise in big data. There's a lot of promise in, but I think smarter computing is going to take over. So I just had a recent experience to, to drive around in the Google self-driving car, right? And that's, it's cool. But if you just look at it, it's like, wow, this is really cool. 
But then that kind of got me thinking too, okay, driving is one of those things that's always been considered a higher brain order function, right? People drive because it's so complex. But if a, if a, if a robot cannot drive and be safe and follow their laws and undertake this complex problem, what other complex problems can computers and algorithms replace, right? That's going to be an interesting area too. So can we can we do, you know, building maintenance where buildings are smart enough to self-diagnose and tell us where problems are? Yes, I think that's going to happen, and it's going to happen fast. Can we do self-diagnosis on our 210,000 fleet cars? Yes, that's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Um, can we, you know, that's the kind of thing where instead of a contracting officer making complex determinations about market research and alternative mechanisms of hiring, of, of procurement and different clauses and compliance, can the computer algorithm do all of that work? And the contracting officer is doing higher, more important strategic things. That's where I think technology is going to go in the next 10 years. So it's going to be so much smarter, uh, not, just, uh, not just more accessible through wearables and whatnot. Sure. Smart tech. Well, yeah. now what do you mean? It's uh, <laughs> just about I, that time. You know what I'm laughing about? I'm laughing about we're, we're 45 minutes into the interview, and I think Michael and I have like 30 more questions to yeah, ask Yeah, we're you. like... Uh, <laughs> I talk a lot. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, 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 no we're thrilled. In fact, so that I couldn't want type to... fast enough. I couldn't tweet fast enough in terms of your, your the wisdom that you were sharing with us. So <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it means we want so it means we need you to come back. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It'll be my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'll be I'll be I'll be glad to do it. And how about we figure out a venue and we do a panel with uh, we'll do a CXO talk just like this, but with you, David Bray, the CIO of the FCC, and our friend Dr. J the deputy CIO of the White House, and we'll talk about I would, I would like and I'll be I'll be a little fan, you know. Um, um, uh, <laughs> no, like that's, that's, bit, no, that's how that's how we feel about that. that's how we feel about you guys. That you know sounds I mean? fantastic. I can't I can't wait for making that happen. Uh, look forward to that. And we did we did we did we did this event with the two of them. So we had Dr. J, we had Dr. Bray. <laughs> of course, Vala stood in as Dr. Dre. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. No, it's been an honor to work with you, smart people. I think I'm very encouraged with, frankly, the the leadership and um, and and the and the real feds, uh, the the young feds who are joining uh, government for the first time. If you if you if you hear, I mean, if you read up on the 18F program, uh, go to the 18f.tumblr.com, go to the 18F page on the USA's website, learn more about what these guys are doing. They're some of the smartest people who are trying to solve some of the hardest challenges in government. I am so encouraged to see that because I really want the next generation to think it's it's not only you know a, a, a sense of duty and honor, but it's cool to work for government again because we have some of the coolest problems that we need to solve, right? We have some of the biggest problems, and for the first time, we're really looking at the entire spectrum: technology, cloud, mobile, social, to solve some of these problems. So we really need uh, your help. But at the same time, I'm very encouraged about people like Dr. J, Dr. Bray, and many of the other smart CIOs, deputy CIOs, CTOs, uh, you know, that are trying to get ahead of these very complex problems. Very encouraged. And next week, uh, July 23rd in D.C., is the Next Gen uh, Government Leadership Awards. That's right. So I'm looking forward to being there. I'll be there. We've got a smart, you know, there are young, passionate, smart uh, team members, Vanessa Ross. Go, Vanessa. She's one of the finalists. I'm going to be there, be there rooting for her. Can't wait. 
All right. Well, this has been a wonderful show. Uh, we have been talking with Sunny Hashmi, who is the CIO of the General Services Administration. Sunny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you, so you Michael. Thank you, Vala. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Take care. And Vala, as always, it's a delight to see you. Fantastic. Let's do a remote fist bump where everybody can see it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the last time. That's the last time. <laughs> okay, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we are joined by two data scientists. So we're going to have a, dare I say it, a nerd show. <laughs> we're going to talk about data, data in marketing. Thank you, thank you, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.